right. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Angel Nears, the podcast. Angel Nears is a Silicon Valley community for startup builders, where founders and operators share their firsthand knowledge on how to build and scale startups. I'm your host, Oleg Kujikov, and our guest today is Siavash Mahmoudian, a co-founder and CEO at Tribe, a platform to build online communities based on a collection of social media best practices. Tribe is popular for its ability to deeply integrate into products and websites via a suite of customizable widgets and comprehensive API. Today, we're talking with Siavash about what it takes to build a successful online community. But before we get into that, Siavash, welcome to the show. Hey, Oleg. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. And yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Siavash. I'm just the technical CEO at Tribe. And uh, yeah, let me know what, what you want to know. Yeah, let's do it. So I want to learn a little bit more about you. Um, tell me how you got started. Uh, let's do let's let's start with software before we do community building. So first, how did you get started uh, and involved in software? So I started actually programming when I was nine or ten years old with QBasic and Pascal and all those like old programming languages, and <laughs> I always loved like learning new languages and teaching it to others. And after a while, well, the internet came and I went through and uh, learned that, oh, I can actually scale the way I'm teaching uh, to others. Instead of just teaching to five or 10 people around me, I can actually create a forum, use a forum software to actually create a community so I can bring people together to help each other. And that was when I figured like, this is my interest and I want, I love to do this for the rest of my life, actually. Uh, so did that like lead into founding Tribe? Is there, uh, is there anything in between that that you were doing or, or um, yeah, tell us how that got started? Yeah, of course. So previously I've built like, uh, when I was like, think like 16 or 17 years old, I built a dating app actually. Uh, and uh, legally I couldn't use it because I was underage. It was used by like uh, 400,000 people. Then I, I'm originally Iranian, and most of these things that I'm talking about are uh, in my native language, so it was a community there. Then I built actually a Yahoo Messenger chatbot. So back in time, Yahoo Messenger was the uh, main like social network, not social network, chatting platform. It's been like ICQ was there and Yahoo Messenger. And I built a chatbot where it used to chat with people learn about them, answer to their questions or whatever it is, and then connect related people or like based on like the interest subjects, connect people together so they can learn from each other. So again, it was the same idea, but I implemented it on Yahoo Messenger. It was used by 1 million people. This is like back in time where it was dial-up and 1 million people was actually a lot of people. And um, yeah, and then I built like many different communities back in time from communities around artificial intelligence um, to iPhone users and all those things. I, I, I unlocked the first iPhone back in time in Iran, if I, where I think that third team to unlock an iPhone. Uh, it was absolutely legal, by the way. So, uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then I built a community around that and it grew a lot. But every single time that I had to build one of these communities, I had to customize the platform by a lot. And I used to do it by coding. But building a community is not around like the technology. 
it's maybe like 90% around building the sense of belongingness and 10% around technology. And that was why I, I thought like, hey, um, well, I need to build something so people can easily customize the community to for themselves. So long story short, um, I studied like three different marriages at the same time, immigrated to the States. In the States, actually, I founded, I co-founded one company, which was around online communities again. And the initial customers actually were really big organizations, but it became a custom shop for these larger organizations. Because when, for instance, NASA asks you to add a small button somewhere, like it's hard to tell them no. Uh, so that was when I learned that if we want to tackle this market, we need to be a platform, meaning that we handle all the hard things for building an online community like um, uh, feed, notifications, analytics, moderations, all those stuff, and everything else should be an app built on top of it. And that was the main idea for Tribe. So when I immigrated to Canada, Toronto, Basically, I had just a prototype of this, and then I met my co-founders. We can dig into that story later on. And then uh, Tribe, that was the founding story of Tribe, basically. Awesome. Well, well tell us about the need for Tribe. Uh, what's, what's your elevator pitch when you're, when you're asked that question? Yeah, so Tribe actually helps businesses to create really customizable social networks to connect their audience together. That's what we do. Now, you may ask why a company or a business needs a community at all. So there are different needs for it. There are different reasons. Maybe the first one is a support community. So they can actually support their audience, have a happier customers and reduce the cost of support. Another idea is like around product. So they can actually gather more feedback around where their product should go. And also, Community is a good way to increase the stickiness of the product and the time on product and retention and all those things. Because you can actually user-generated content, make sure that every time somebody maybe visits your product, like there are new stuff uh, that they can consume around your product. So that's uh, another reason. And their acquisition is uh, one more reason that maybe a business may need uh, actually a community these days, actually, we have these trends of community-first businesses, meaning that they started from the community first and built the community and then built the product on it. And um, also, Google, uh, for a good reason, gives better ranking to user-generated content. And that by itself, I think, um, is another reason that people want to become authorities on like, the subject that they're selling or their business is at. And community is a good tool to do that. Not tool. Actually, community is not a tool. A community platform is a good tool. The community is actually what empowers the whole thing. Got it. And, and so that's the elevator pitch. You've kind of described the, the need a little bit and, and what you know, users might get out of it. What's your mission as a company? Well, um, since I was the kid, um, the mission was always bringing people together so they can help each other. All right, easy. Simple as sophistication. That's, uh, that's uh, Leonardo. Next is, uh, is this for newer startups, you know, um, young, younger kind of early stage startups, or is this for more established businesses? Who do you see it for? Well, um, initially when we built Tribe, uh, the top of the funnel, like our audience were like everyone, 
actually. So anyone that wants to build a basically community could use Tribe. Now, as we moved forward, we learned a lot of things and we figured we should cover mostly businesses. And by businesses, I mean that, for instance, if you want to build a book club for moms, most likely you want to use like WhatsApp or Telegram or other tools. But if you are a business that want to create a community or your business is the community, like uh, technically like influencers, their business is community. So those are businesses as well because they're earning money out of what they do. Then you will be our customers, basically, and you will be the audience. Now, um, Tribe is a very horizontal platform, meaning that um, you can build any type of app on top of it, and based on the apps, it can cover different use cases. But the thing is that if we want to be successful at this, if you want to get the whole market, the whole market of businesses wanting to build communities, we need to tackle it vertical by vertical. And the first vertical that we are tackling is SaaS businesses that want to create customer communities or like support and success communities. And for that reason, um, basically any type of SaaS business who has more than like maybe 500 customers can be uh, our uh, users, basically. Um, and it doesn't matter if they're new. Some companies actually create their tribe before their business is starting. And we have like businesses such as, um, I don't know, Pipedrive, ConvertKit, Mindvalley, that are like Decathlon, that are like a little bit like more, I mean, are definitely like big organizations or bigger startups that are using tribe. And most of them actually use us um, not only standalone, they use us standalone and they integrate us into their product. So we are a tab, for instance, in their phone app, or we are a sidebar in their product where the users need like, to connect with other users. Interesting. Can you talk about what kind of like advantages um, that gives you as a business when, when people are bringing their, your app into their software? Yeah, so I can give you some examples. Like one of the examples that we have a, a customer that um, is actually a weight losing uh, app and it's one of the most popular ones in India. And initially we were just a small button somewhere in the menu um, that actually guided users to the community. After a while, actually they put us as the homepage of the mobile app. Because by itself, like people were actually coming to this like mobile app and seeing like others, how they're doing and encouraging others to lose weight and things of that sort. So that's just a simple story, uh, which I really liked because uh, it was interesting to myself as well. Now, another story um, is like, as a company, you usually, you already spent so much time on asking people to install your app or bookmarking your page already. And most likely you, won't, you don't want to just pay or spend lots of more money to ask people to download like your community, for instance, Pipedrive and Pipedrive community or bookmark that. Instead, you want to actually show the community where your members or your users need it the most. And that's what uh, we make it like super simple. So instead of having just a community standalone to put it where they need. So you're in a page in a product and you may have like questions and like 
or you may want to know how others are using that part of the product, you can easily use this. As an e-commerce business, as an example, you may want to see, okay, I bought like this product, how others are using this product or things of that sort. And you can actually do it by embedding like Tribe just right under that product maybe or customize the feed for the members so they only see things that are related to the products that they are interested in. And we sent like weekly digests, right? And that's another way to make sure that your name, your brand is actually on top of your customer's mind. Yeah. All right. That makes a lot of sense. So let's, let's, let's talk about the market. We've kind of um, introduced you now. Let's start with a high level overview of community software platforms. You already mentioned some of the features that these that that your platform has. You you said, you know, there's a feed, you know, there's a notification system. I think there's metrics and analytics, and I'm sure there's more features that I'm not thinking of. But, you know, why are people coming to use these? What's the purpose of a community software platform like this? Um, first of all, like when we talk about like Tribe is a community platform, our, fake, our, our focus is on being a platform. And every company actually defines platforms, I think, differently. The way I define platform is that, um, as I've mentioned, we handle all the hard things. And if somebody wants to create Zoom integration, HubSpot integration, Intercom, I don't know anything, all the apps that are there, Eventbrite. Or if anyone wants to build something inside our product, add functionality to our product, for instance, create a events app, inside tribe, discussions app, job board app, or anything they want. The way I see it is that the same way that I built app myself on top of my product, a third-party developer should be able to build it the exact same way. An example that I always use is that, for instance, if you look at iOS, like iOS has the weather app, but a third-party developer can build a better weather app on top of iOS. And that's exactly what we want. If we have, for instance, discussions app where it lets people to post like discussions, a third-party developer should come and say, hey, I built a better looking and better a discussions app with better functionalities on top of Tribe. And I should be able to do it really quickly. So from the time that a developer wants to build an app on top of Tribe, the goal is that to the time that they post their first notification or send their first card to the feed, it should take them like 20 minutes. So that is the goal that we're going after. I really like it saying, uh, I think it's by Bill Gates. I'm not 100% sure. But he mentions that a platform, you're a platform when the sum of the revenue of the apps or things that are built on top of your platform earns more money than the platform itself. And a good example is Windows. So Windows, I'm pretty sure like just a few apps that are built on top of Windows actually earn a lot more money than Microsoft selling Windows. And that's exactly how we see it as well. So we will be a platform, and I consider like Tribe a platform where developers actually on top of Tribe can actually earn more money than Tribe itself. Interesting. So can you talk about uh, some of the attributes in order to qualify as a community software platform? Mm -hmm. What are some of the attributes that, that 
you're going to have to um, meet. Um, so I think, again, you can hear like very different answers when people answer the same, this same question. In my opinion, anything that facilitates people connecting, no matter if it's online or it's in real life, uh, is actually a community software. And again, my thinking is that Again, building community is about building the sense of belongingness. Now, as a software, as a community software, your goal is to create the best environments for people to connect together and help each other. And that, I think, like the forum softwares are technically community platforms or community softwares. Uh, if you look at like even these apps that are for in real life connection building, those in my opinion, are also community softwares because they are facilitating this connection. Now, people take different steps, like we have forum softwares, as I've mentioned, which take a more classic approach. And then we have like these new softwares that are out there that um, basically, because people's expectations are changed because of Facebook groups, because of TikTok, Instagram, and all those things, like people don't expect like, communities to be like uh, a forum these days. They actually demand something similar to TikTok to be connected to others or like Facebook groups. So there are now these types of like new companies are coming and are being founded that help us help everyone basically with mix and matching these best practices that were introduced by these larger social networks. So businesses or creators can actually utilize them to connect their audience together and help them. And what are some of those features? Like, is, is it the feed or what do you mean that, that TikTok has that's bringing people? So feed, it's just a feed, the comment. So usually there is a medium uh, that you get people around it, right? Mm -hmm. So it can be, in my opinion, YouTube is a community as well, right? Mm -hmm. But the medium is the video. SoundCloud is a community. The medium is audio, right? And then mm. Facebook, may, maybe the connection, the glue is actually your friends. Actually, you are connected around your friends. So anything that people can communicate with each other. But if you want to go dig deeper into like what is uh, these days uh, standard for being a community platform, I think you should support some sort of like segmenting users like groups or spaces, mm -hmm. you should be able to uh, post discussions, comment on things or react to them, I believe. Mm -hmm. There should be some sort of analytics, some sort of moderation control so you can actually keep the community safe. Mm -hmm. uh, people should be able to discover each other, search each other. And um, I think that those are just some of the minimum things and you want some sort of analytics to give actually feedback to people. Now, there should be some channels of bringing people back as well. It can be email, it can be text message, it can be push notifications or desktop notifications. So those can help. Now, some of these community softwares focus more on events as an example, then mm. they pay more attention there. Some are focusing on in real life. Some are more focusing on jobs maybe and mm -hmm. finding jobs and connecting experts together because like professional networks, right? So the needs are different. Our approach is that we solved all the hardest problems 
And then vertical by vertical, we build the apps that are relevant to each of these verticals. And if a third party developer builds an app on top of our product, I mean, that's, that's even better. Um, currently, we're working on a new version of Tribe, uh, which we built from scratch. And we spent a lot of time to make sure that previously we faked uh, being a platform. And now we, want, we rebuilt it. So it is really a platform, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, in our previous product, as an example, 35% of apps that were built on top of Tribe were built by our community. Or another example I can give you, actually, our community translated Tribe into 28 different languages. Some languages that I don't even know the name of the language. I didn't know the name of the language. And the community actually helped us on it. So again, our approach is to empower our community to build new functionalities on top of us. And we will focus on the, we call it like ideal customer profile, the companies or businesses that fit like SaaS businesses with more than 500 uh, customers. That's like the ones that we built apps for, for the time being, until we tackle the next market. Maybe it's education, maybe it's something else. So this is really interesting. Hearing you talk about, you know, what makes a community software platform, it's it's very broad, you know, you're, you're, you don't limit it um, a lot. And I, I think I have a lot of examples in my head, like, you know, Reddit or other popular apps, you could consider community software platforms the way you defined it. So because we have a pretty general definition, I imagine the space th- that you see is huge. So here's my question. How big is this space that you're in? How would you say y- you fit in and, and how quickly is this growing? So first of all, this space is huge. I mean, usually when I want to tell people, like uh, normal people, like what Tribe does, I tell them, like, just give me a word. And I tell them how they can use Tribe around that word. Like, it's just so big that you can actually build community around anything. Um, So uh, the market is huge. And for one subject, you can have like multiple communities. A single person can build multiple communities. Um, so, uh, basically we are also seeing like this, the same thing that happens to Craigslist back in time where it actually split it into smaller companies technically. So for instance, Airbnb took one part of, uh, Craigslist. I don't know. Auto Trader took like the car section of Craigslist. And uh, you see like all these different businesses that are basically decentralization of Craigslist itself. This same thing is happening. Yeah, Nextdoor is another example, exactly. These days, we are seeing the exact same thing happening to Facebook groups and Reddit and other things because the needs are different for each type of community. You cannot actually find two communities that, are, that look exactly like each other or their needs are exactly like each other, even though they're in the same exact market. So... The only way that you can tackle this market, if you want to take the whole thing, is uh, basically being a platform that people can actually add functionalities on top of it. Now, uh, how is it changing over time? Well, my previous company was around online communities as well, as I've mentioned. Um, back in time, it's like seven or eight years ago, like it was way, way less demand when it came to companies or businesses wanting to have like a social network. Now, there are different reasons. Uh, Right now, we are on a few different waves. Um, 
The first one is, I think, the no-code wave, where we have founders that want to just build companies without any coding, and we fit right into it. Another example, another wave is like community is the moat. Like businesses can be copied, but they cannot copy your community. They cannot. Co- they can copy your product, but they cannot copy your community because it, that's like way harder, and the cost of switch is so high. So people actually businesses are understanding this. And there are like a few of these things, like another thing is like Facebook, uh, the way they handle, it's like you go and create a community on Facebook. It's amazing. I mean, Facebook is amazing at acquisition, actually, because you can actually create a community and not touch it, don't do anything with it. And then uh, next week you have like five or six members in it, which is amazing, right? But the problem is that you don't own the content. You don't own the users. You cannot customize it. You cannot build on top of it. You cannot brand it. And you cannot even define who receives your notifications. It's like buying a place and buying a house and the mailman decides which mails to deliver, right? So you don't want these types of things. And businesses are understanding these things uh, over time that, okay, now we need to figure out like how to build our own community and make sure that actually our product is integrated into the community and the community is integrated into our product. What are some of the challenges that businesses face when they're trying to build an online community? Well, I think the biggest mistake, I'm not saying mistake, but the the normal way that usually like companies start with building a community or a brand community, let's say for, for the moment, um, is they run a big campaign. They tell all their uh, members or customers that, hey, we have this community, come join us. And um, the problem is that that's not the best way of building an online community. Usually the most successful communities are the communities of hobbyists like the, the communities that I've built around iPhone or artificial intelligence. It's, it's something that I love and I actually want to gather people so they can actually help each other so I can learn from it as well. And usually the way it works is that you start with a few hand-picked people and then they pick some hand-picked people. So um, I think that should happen for brands as well. So instead of just inviting everyone, I think it should initially be exclusive and part of the challenges are of like communities building especially brand communities is exactly that like how do they start launching it now because we support a tribe single sign-on and all those things the good thing is that there is one less friction when somebody wants to see the community and because we integrate in the users flow inside the product they don't even sometimes know they're part of a community like they, they don't know they're uh, visiting another product. Like, it's like you're there, you click on something, suddenly you can actually talk to others. And that by itself actually helps with it because there is no big launch. People are actually um, basically using it when they need it. Um, also, um, well, companies are not usually that interesting. Like, and uh, companies tend to think like they should build the community around their product. There are very few companies like Tesla or things of that sort that can do that, that are like uh, that interesting that people actually talk about the the company itself. But most of companies are not like that. So another challenge or thing that I see is like 
companies think that they should make it around their brand rather than the problems that their customers have. Um, these sort of like problems don't usually happen when you have a support community uh, because support communities, it's very counterintuitive, but the, the worse your product is, the more successful your support community is because like there are more people wanting to talk and like to ask questions and you may again ask like why should you build it they can actually go to twitter and other places but it's always better to build it yourself so you have first of all you have, like you have more visibility and more analytics around it and also you have more control around it um so yeah i think these are like the biggest challenge is how to make an engaging community and I think those are some of the things that people can do to um, basically make sure they, they have a better chance of building a, an engaging community. Yeah, definitely some some great ideas there. Let's move on and talk to talk about your company tribe. Uh, you know, you've, you've mentioned how you got started and it sounds like you've been in this uh, community software platform or, or, or maybe not the platform part, but definitely in community software for a long time. So... Okay, real quickly, can you uh, tell us the origin story? When did you decide like this was a company you were going to start and, and not just something you were involved in? What's the origin story behind Tribe? So um, I'm going to actually start with a story about my two co-founders and then how we met here in Toronto and what happened that we actually co-founded Tribe. So I know both of my co-founders six, since I was 16 year old. And um, one of them, both of them are originally Iranian as well. And um, to give you like some idea, one of them actually owned, was co-founder and CEO of one of the biggest uh, startup accelerators back in Iran with more than 50 plus really successful portfolio companies. And he was also the co-founder and CEO of uh, Google AdWords uh, equivalent of Iran uh, with almost like the majority of the market in general. Um, my other co-founder actually started, studied here in Toronto, was part of TuneZ and Redfin, um, two startups, uh, Torontorian like startups. And then for personal reasons, he uh, went back to Iran for a while and my other co-founder convinced him to build Uber Eats of Iran as part of his accelerator which was pretty interesting. And he built like uh, Uber Eats of Iran from three people to 300 people in three years, uh, serving tens of thousands of orders per day to 28 different cities. So both of them are pretty actually experienced. And uh, we always wanted to work together uh, since we were super young. And actually there were different cases where we thought, hey, let's start this, let's start that. And randomly, really randomly, all of us ended up in Toronto for different reasons at the same time. And at that time, I was trialing um, building like a community platform rather than a community software. Technically, it was a copy of Quora, but with the ability to install apps on it. And it was uh, in a way that businesses could actually customize it to their need. So the first thing was like question and answer. And um, that was the main purpose. And then you could actually install other apps on it, like integration with like Telegram and WhatsApp and all those things. Because we have actually this omni-channel notification system where whenever something happens, we can actually send notifications to other platforms to get people back. And they can even interact from those platforms, those messaging platforms, without leaving the messenger to interact with the community, which is another cool thing that we have. 
Now, I had like all these things. I, I, I think I spent like two or three weeks of building this product. Um, and then my friends, uh, back in time friends, uh, my current co-founders told me that, hey, why don't we um, sell and market this? this? This looks pretty cool. And I was like, okay, let's do that if it's uh, doable. And um, uh, Sohel, one of my co-founders, the Uber Eats guy, uh, basically uh, created the marketing side and all those things. And Mo, uh, my other co-founder uh, who runs the operations, basically started the marketing and started the sales part of it. And in two weeks, we had five customers willing to pay us $300 per month, and we didn't have a bank account. Um, so that was one, like when we figured, okay, from nothing, from no product, just idea to $1,500 in monthly recurring revenue, it took us like six weeks. So it seems like a pretty good thing. Let's actually create the company. And then we just named it Tribe and started the company and collected the money. And yeah, it was three years ago. Awesome. Great story. What are some of the, what are some of the core elements of your platform, um, at Tribe? Well, again, um, we focus a lot on customizability, making sure that people easily can mix and match different uh, things. Now, the new product is not there yet, but we are actually uh, on a way to do that. So you should be able to easily create something like Twitter or Pinterest or Facebook or Quora for your business if you want with those functionalities so that that customizability is one of the first pieces of um our uh the, the way we think the next thing is basically integration and extensibility we double down on developers and the developer experience is one of the most important things when it comes to tribe and we are spending lots of time to make sure in the new product they will have the best experience possible for building a social app. And the third part is, as I've mentioned, integratability, like being a embeddability, let's say, being able to embed into other products. So these are the three main things that we want to make sure that we handle. And we believe that's the only way to target this market. I believe that that's the only way. Um, so yeah, those are the three main things, I think. Okay, let's take a look under the hood. Talk about your technology stack and what kind of important choices did you have to make uh, early on? Um, so early on, it's very different with like what we have right now. So I'm going to tell the story about like how we started building it as a side project of mine and now where we are. So initially it was just on Node.js, pure JavaScript. It was on Express. I'm talking a little bit technical. Is that okay? Uh, for mm -hmm. your audience. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, so, and uh, on the front end side, it was um, regular React. We used MongoDB for the database. It was a monolith and um, it was very dirty, almost no testing. Um, and it was optimized for prototyping and agile development. I don't, I, like, one of our features in the previous version that we are going to build in the new one as well is like virtual currency where you can actually define a, a currency in your community and you can give prize to people and people actually can give it to others. Uh, so I remember like from the ideation to production, I think it took two days. So it, it was like super agile. 
Um, well, the issue was like, we didn't have a product or design or anything. Like it was just going in and then we discussed, oh my God, like this looks bad. Like let's fix it. So that was the way we started. We used Elasticsearch for search parts and Redis as the caching layer. Now, the new platform that we've built on the backend side, we're using TypeScript for everything, almost like all the services. First of all, it's microservices. We, are about, we have around like 12 services as we speak, like for the feed, for the post, for the notification, all those things. Some of them are on Python, but the majority of them are on Node.js and TypeScript. We're using Nest.js, which is technically like something like Angular for backend. We're very happy with it. Uh, we're using uh, Postgres as the database and Cassandra for the feed and notifications part. These services talk to each other using Kafka. And on the front end side, we're using React. Everything is TypeScript. We are splitting like our components with like the all, all the things. And hopefully like soon actually we will release our React SDK. So if you want to actually put it inside your product that is React, it should be as simple as just uh, dropping a snippet and it should work. And yeah, we were using like React Query. Uh, we we're pretty happy with that. And GraphQL is actually something that is in front of all our services. So um, our API documentation and all those things are on top of GraphQL. Now in the future, we may need to actually uh, expose a REST API as well. So far, it seems like the market accepts uh, GraphQL pretty well. Okay. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing. I hope uh, you know listeners find that uh, interesting. Tell us about some of the key milestones. Uh, what are some of the key milestones that you've achieved uh, along your journey to this point? So um, I think the first milestone was just becoming a little bit known in the market. So we are very fortunate to have like amazing customers, some really good brands that um, are helping us. I think the first milestone was like, just building our own community of people who are interested in using Tribe. That, that I think, I, I would say, was the first milestone. Now, it has its benefits, its pros and cons. So it's good. People encourage you. But when you do something wrong, well, they can be pretty uh, rough. Uh, but that's, that's a good thing, I guess, because they show you they're like compass. Like, we made some really bad decisions on the new version that we built on the front-end side, well, there are compass. They told us like, hey guys, like uh, you should change this. And we are actually changing it. We are listening to them. And the earlier you figure it out, the better, because you can just spend less time on going in the wrong direction. So I would say that would be, and that same team, as I've mentioned, translated us into different languages, built this, built uh, like apps on top of us. Um, well, the, it's not a milestone, but I think it's a good story. I don't, see fundraising as a milestone. Maybe it is, but it's not the biggest milestone, but it's a good story, I think, where um, we raised our seed round basically um, around uh, seven or eight months ago. It was led by Bessemer and CRV, and uh, we have like eight other like really good uh, Canadian funds that also supported us. Uh, which was amazing. We have like amazing co-founders as well uh, of big companies like uh, Intercom or like Applyboard or Top Hat that are also supporting us as an angel investor, which is pretty good. 
Um, so the idea was like, uh, from the time that I remember one of my friends that told me that, hey, Siavash, um, fundraising is like filling up your gas tank. You don't want to stay in the gas station for a long time. You just want to take the gas and go. And I took that literal. And so the, the, the way it happened is like from the time that I started fundraising to the time that I raised our seed round, it took like three weeks. Um, I had like 120, uh, I met 120 investors, VC funds and investors in that short time. So I remember like waking up 8 a.m. And then uh, I had like back-to-back meetings, except like the lunchtime, it was a 30-minute lunchtime. And then up until like 10 p.m., which was on the West Coast, it was like, uh, I don't know, 7 p.m. So lots of like back-to-back meetings. And there were like times that, to be honest, um, I was not sure if I told something to this investor or the previous one. So I used to actually take notes like about to, to just not, not for the future, just for that moment. Like, did I, did I tell this person like about our marketing strategy or not? So the idea was like, and one of our, the term sheets that we received from the first session that we had with them, it, it's actually, a, it was a pretty big VC fund, to the time that we received the term sheet, it took 19 hours. And that shows like if VC funds want to move fast and they're really interested, like they can move fast. It's not like, it's not a three month process. You, it, it just, it's just like how interested they are in the um, fundraising. And I think the most important thing that I've done that helped with it was to build relationships ahead of time. So we had lots of inbound investors and I added all of these investors to a mailing list, basically, that I used to send like uh, quarterly updates and what we are going to do for next quarter. And that was, I think, one of the best things I've done. And then when I wanted to do the fundraising, they already knew like how we promised things and how we got to that thing that we have promised, which was amazing. And on the last update before the fundraising, I just had like a PS, uh, we are raising our seed round. Uh, if you want book a call here, here's the calendar link. And uh, that was how every, like everything was booked for that like two or three weeks. And um, yeah, practiced a lot, um, made sure that everyone understands that we are actually uh, making a decision in three weeks, set a deadline there. And then when, when I received my first term sheet, everything moved actually faster than expected because others, then, 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 then it's like easier. And we didn't actually start talking to any new person, uh, any new funds when we received the first term sheet because you don't want to do shopping as well. But you just want to say like, hey, um, I'm, I already started the conversation. I need to finish it. And everyone also appreciated it. And um, uh, like we received like eight or nine term sheets in that short amount of time. It was like actually super hard to do the due diligence, talk to everyone, talk to people who worked with these uh, VCs. And in the end, actually, we didn't take the highest uh, valuation. Instead, we took the ones that um, we felt the partner is amazing and really believes in the idea that we have. And I couldn't be happier. Like we have such a great uh, group of people helping us and backing us. Yeah, it sounds like the process went really smoothly. You were doing a lot of the right things, and uh, you know it's it, it happened for good reason that this was so fast. Um, 
so I, I hope, I mean, there was a lot of takeaways there. I hope people um, enjoy that story. I, I, thank you for sharing. Let's, let's move to the customers here. Now, there are tens of thousands of active communities ac- across the globe that are running on Tribe, and that connects close to 10 million people. Let's narrow down on some of these people. Who, who are your typical customers, and why should they implement your platform? Yeah, again, the main um, persona, ideal customer profile for us are SaaS businesses with more than 500 customers. And uh, it actually, right now, over the past few months, it uh, generates the majority of our revenue, new revenue. But again, in the beginning, um, our top of the funnel was just um, super wide, like we supported everyone. So if you go back in the time, we see like there are different um, d- different areas or different types of customers that we have. Now, um, just to dig deeper into your question, the reason we went with SaaS businesses, we could have picked like lots of different areas. We could have picked like creators or learning or professional networks, um, alumni. And there are like lots of different types of networks out there or gaming communities. Now, we looked back at our data for the two, two years, two, like first two years, and we figured, okay, let's look at the churn rate. Let's look at the retention. Let's look at the expansion of these accounts. And let's figure out like, which ones are the most successful ones. And when we looked at the data, we figured like creators actually have, have one of the highest churn rates in general. And we actually went and tried to figure out like why. Well, part of it is might be because our product was not built for them. That uh, we 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 don't know that. But our assumption after talking to people and the reasons that we uh, some of these customers churned was like usually people want to start something. They say, "I want to build a YouTube channel," as an example. And then when they start, they figure out, "Oh my God! Like this is a hard thing." Uh, it's not that easy. Or like, you know, you're a podcaster. Like you know, like uh, it, it's it's re- like it takes a lot of consistency to uh, create a podcast, as an example. So that's the same for communities. Um, and our platform, our product, is a tool that is different from some some of the tools that you use, like on Intercom. As long as you have visits, for instance, like people, you, you see the value right away, right? Uh, but on building a community, the value is not there right away. Like it takes like six months actually to build a really good community if you do all everything right and if you're lucky. And so the reasoning is that people come and say, um, I want to build this. And then after a month or two, they figure out, okay, this is not how I want to spend my money or time or right now is not the right time for building it. And therefore, like they churn. So even if you have the perfect product still like um, you need to educate people a lot so that's another thing like we are going to spend a lot of time on educating people on how to do the best practices when they're building a community and if you want to scale you cannot do it with like like people to people like you you need to the product should be able to educate people on what are the best things they should do. And there should be lots of resources that we have like we released lots of books and eBooks and like sessions and all those stuff uh, to make sure that that happens. Now, 
there were other things, but the main reason we went with SaaS was like the churn rate was one of the lowest. The competition in this field is not that much. There are a few companies that are in this field that are good and lots of them are pretty old, like 10, 10 plus years. And like, um, they're not moving as fast. Another reason was that, um, well, it's the number of apps that we had to build are very limited for this. We need to have like the Salesforce integration, HubSpot, Intercom, Zendesk, Amplitude, like uh, the, those types of things. And so it's just easier to focus. And when we build like some of these apps, they can be used for other uh, types of communities as well. So it's a win-win. We will win there as well. And last but not least, um, we are using our own community as a SaaS company who is building a customer community. So this customer success team is technically our ideal customer profile. So the loop between our customer and myself uh, can be very short because I can just talk to our customer success team and say like, hey, what's wrong? Like, what can we improve? And then we can improve it, right? So that's another thing. Like, you can actually reduce that cycle. Well, I don't have like a, any creators in the company that I can talk to readily. And uh, that helps a lot as well. Awesome. I got two more questions here. You know, you mentioned some other players in this space. There's there's people doing other like similar work. Uh, you know, you already mentioned Facebook groups. There's Ning. There's Yammer, which is now part of Microsoft. And I'm sure there's other startups. Who do you see yourself mostly competing against, and how how do you differentiate yourself? Well, to be honest, I believe. Um, People are building communities on many different platforms. Like on Facebook groups, I think for businesses, we're not competing with them because businesses understand like, hey, if, if I'm serious about it, I need to move out. And I've mentioned some of the reasons. Um, then there are like Slacks of the world. And many SaaS businesses start their community on Slack. Actually, we sometimes promote people to start their, com start their community on Slack uh, because it's good to initiate something, but it's not good to scale it. And the pricing does not work as well, right? Because the pricing of Slack, if you have a thousand members, like you need to pay like $10,000 like $20,000 per month. So it's not designed, Slack is amazing for internal messaging, but it was not built for community building. Uh, and like the moderation tools and all those things are not there. You cannot customize it. You cannot build on top of it, integrate it, have single sign on and all those things. So there are many different reasons that people start with Slack and then they migrate to tools such as Tribe. So that's uh, another thing. Now, regarding competing and uh, who we are competing the most against, I would say the approach that we are taking, nobody else in this market is taking that approach. So if you look at it, the way I see it, that we are a platform and the way we believe apps can be built on top of our platform, like the detail of like how much an app can actually customize and introduce new functionalities to the tribe platform, I don't see anyone else doing that. Being integratable this much in other products, like there are tools out there that are built for developers, but we see ourselves as a no-code social product builder in the end. And I don't see lots of those out there uh, to compete against. And um, yeah, so for, for these reasons, and then if you take the customizability into consideration as well. Now, we are not there yet ourselves, but 
we are very close to it uh, based on what I'm seeing. And if you can easily mix and match the best practices from different social networking products, like, um, well, I don't see anyone else is doing a really good job there. And it's 2021. I'm not sure why. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Uh, well, let's wrap this up. I got one more question and, and I'm going to make it super general. Um, so we already talked about milestones. What's the next big milestone or challenge that you need to face? Could be as a founder or it could be as an organization that you have like on top of mind. So I think internally as uh, the co-founder and we are actually, one of the things that we want to improve, building a platform is hard. You take a lot of time of doing tons of really hard stuff and the output of it is not that much because you could actually build the exact same thing, I don't know, in a week, right? But you spend like, I don't know, months on building it so you can build on top of your own platform rather than just building it and giving yourself a backdoor to the code. So having this right was the, one of the biggest challenges. I think right now we are there. Now, what we need to improve, in my opinion, is I think the way companies build products and regular companies, when you look at like a, a little bit larger companies, the way it works, it goes to product, then it goes to design, then it goes to back and forth with the product and design, and then it goes to engineering. And there are some things are that some specs that are not there. It goes back and forth. And there is like a really big loop there. Now, one of the things that we want to improve at Tribe is how we can change it, how we can do something, a drastic change in the way people build products or our organization at least builds product and make sure that we can move really fast. Like it should, it should just, everyone should work together at the same time. It's a little bit harder when you're a fully distributed company. So Tribe is a fully distributed company. We have people from 18 different countries. So when you look at this, like improving that and making sure the brainstorming sessions are happening and then the outcome can reach the production. The same thing that we used to do, like in two days we launched new features and then we fixed it. How can we do that in a larger organization? And the cool part is that the result of Tribe will be this as well. So we are actually building this tool to be a no-code social product builder. And the idea is like is that like why people should go to Figma, design something, and then it should go to, I don't know, code, be coded. Why can't we, for special things, now in our case for community, why can't you just drag and drop stuff and build something and it should work rather than sending it to engineers to work? Now, making something like that and making it simple, like making something really complex, as I've mentioned, very simple is super hard. And I think that's the most challenging part of what we're doing at Tribe. All right. Uh, well, yeah, that, that sounds like a big challenge. Uh, making things, making complicated things simple is never easy. But uh, that's but actually good one of our values. <laughs> one of our values is simplify the complexity, and the other one is actually uh, learn to teach, teach to learn. So these are exactly like the things that we believe, and that's I think we can make a really big impact in the world. All right. Well, I'm going to take those uh, take those away uh, as mantras for myself. Really good. Before we get out of here, what's the best way for our listeners to reach you and and to reach Tribe? 
Well, you can always go to tribe.so and I'm also available at um, like at Siavash at all the platforms like Twitter, Facebook, uh, everywhere, basically. Awesome. All right. Well, yep. <laughs> sounds good. All right. Clubhouse, got to throw that in there. Uh, <laughs> we're going to end the show there. Uh, if you liked our show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating. Uh, thanks, Siavash, for joining the show today. Uh, we appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you so much. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me. Have a good one.